Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We have a great guest, but first, a quick chat about goal setting. Goal setting is one of the most important aspects to achieving anything in life. If you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. I'd like to invite you to join me for three days on the Mexican Riviera for an intensive goal setting retreat so that you start your 2020 with energy, purpose, focus, and momentum. The annual goal setting retreat will take place over the first weekend in December on the beautiful Mexican Riviera. Registration is now open. You can register directly at victorjm.com events. That's victorjm.com events. Or send an email to goals at victorjm.com. That's goals at victorjm.com. We keep these retreats small and intimate. This event will sell out. Send an email to goals at victorjm.com. We are back here on the weekend edition. We interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today, we've got a great guest all the way from Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome to the show, Pete Barrow. Hi, thank you, Victor. So, Pete, you've been investing in Indianapolis for a number of years, and you've been doing this in the realm of single family homes. But before we get into the details of that, why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got into the world of real estate investing? My uh, two sons and wife and I lived in the D.C. area for many years, and uh, I was a carpenter, so I was always interested in housing. I always wanted to get into real estate, but it just takes too much money to get into that game there. And about five years ago, one of my sons started driving around the country looking for a better place to live, and he wound up here. We, uh, we've gradually Myself and my two sons have all moved out here, and uh, the market is a whole lot better. It's more accessible. It's just a it's just a better place to get into this game if you don't have a ton of money. So that's that's how we wound up here, and we really like it. So it was really the more affordable nature of the marketplace. You know, I've heard a lot about folks investing in Indianapolis and markets like Indy, where there is a, a more affordable price point, but there also is not you know, the price appreciation that you often see in some of the higher value markets like Washington, D.C. or, say, New York or Los Angeles, where we've seen a fairly significant run-up in prices over the last decade post the downturn. What's been your perspective on the indie market appreciation versus cash flow? What's been your point of view? Well, I I hate to go against you, but uh, the stuff we got here about five years ago, bought one house and then another and another. And then we managed to jump in and get a big package of stuff all at once. The stuff we have has just about tripled in value in uh, four, three to four years. Now, part of that is, you know, they say you make the money when you buy, not when you sell. Part of that is that my sons are ferocious uh, about getting, you know, digging out really good deals. It's not like you can just pick stuff off the MLS and it's going to triple in value. But no, our experience has been, the appreciation here has been fantastic. Now, if you buy here now, I don't know if you can expect that. I love to hear that. What are your thoughts on the positioning of the product that you're looking to acquire? Are you looking to acquire workforce housing? Are you looking to acquire higher end properties? What's been your focus? Working class, middle class people, uh, you know, good tenants, but we still don't have the money to buy in the more upscale parts of town. And really, I don't think it's smart to buy rental properties in those places anyway. 
we're not in the low C places, low C and D places that so many people who are investing here are going into. We're like solid upper C neighborhoods and or neighborhoods that we think are really that's our focus is we can't, we don't want to spend the money to buy in the hot neighborhoods, the old established neighborhoods, but we don't want to buy in the really distressed neighborhoods either. So we're always looking for little places that are on the outskirts of a hot neighborhood or between two hot neighborhoods or along the road leading to a hot neighborhood. And we've had really good luck. You can't go buy a properties in bulk like that, but you can pick up one here and there that's uh, just sitting there waiting to come up. And then we do our own rehab. We have our own crew so we can do really good work and keep those costs down. And that's, uh, that's part of why all our stuff has gone up so much. We're not just buying it indiscriminately. I love what you're saying. The regular listeners to the show will recognize that we call that strategy, we call it buy on the line, move the line. And of course, that line is exactly what you described. It's that line between that hot neighborhood next door and you go a few blocks too far and maybe you're in the hood. Right. And it's right on, on that line, just on the wrong side of the line that you can pick up some incredibly good values, redevelop the property, and now, when you go to get a comp analysis done, when you go to get an appraisal done, the only comparable properties are the ones that are in the hot neighborhood next door. So you may not get 100 cents on the dollar in terms of valuation, but you're going to get pretty darn close. And so I love that strategy. It's one that we've employed in multiple different markets. And for the listeners who are thinking about their own home market, definitely go look for that line. You can recognize it. You just drive the streets and you'll see you know, luxury cars on one side of the street, and then you'll see 14-year-old cars on the other side of the street. And it's exactly that market condition that you look for. We're, we're looking more for pickup trucks uh, than luxury cars, uh, you know, but nice new ones and a few, few rehabbed houses and people moving in who are determined to fix things up. But that's, I think the reason more people don't do this is what you just said. I don't think you can do this from behind a computer. You just that's exactly to, right. You have to get out and drive drive around. So if you don't want to go out and drive around, this is not going to be for you. So. I love that. What about, you know, one of the things we also often talk about uh, on the show is obeying the laws of supply and demand. And India is one of those markets that in my perspective uh, has continued to attract jobs as it continued to attract population. Unlike a lot of other markets that are in the North that maybe have been in many cases losing population. People talk about Sun Belt versus Rust Belt. Certainly cities like Chicago's losing population. Detroit's losing population. Indy seems to be bucking that trend. It's not that far from Chicago and yet continues to attract jobs, continues to attract population. Is that what you're continuing to see? I think so, yes. Um, and, and I actually spoke to a guy who uh, works for the city. He told me that years back they made a conscious decision that I actually think was really smart. They've got a couple of big employers here. But they made a decision to try to do everything they could to attract a lot of little different businesses. So there are, you know, there's a factory that makes envelopes. There's a factory that makes cinder blocks. There, I think there are hundreds of those little places. They're not all going to leave at once. Plus, it's the, you know, the, the county government, the state government. There are nine or ten colleges and universities. There's just a lot of different little things here. So it's never going to boom, but it's not very likely to just suddenly collapse either. It's not, you know, it's not like a one industry town where the plant moves out. You've had it. I love that. 
So you've been focusing not only on de- redeveloping properties. I understand you've also been wholesaling properties to other investors, whether they are wholesaling them at the time of purchase, in some cases developing turnkey rentals. Why the different strategies? Well, we um, we sort of have the the philosophy of a rodent that you know whatever <clears throat> whatever you can get to eat, that's good. And uh, we came out here thinking we would just buy and hold. And as a part of one of our first buys, we had a chance to take an additional four houses and sell them on to some other guy. And that was when we realized, hey, wait, this is this is called wholesaling, and we can do this. So we started uh, we started looking for deals like that, and uh, that's become really our biggest. That's where most of our time is spent looking for mostly distressed housing that we can get in that people just want to get out of and we can get in and hand them on to an investor and make a few bucks and occasionally keep one ourselves. And so it feeds in nicely to everything we do that we can one out of a hundred of those deals we'll keep for, for ourselves, not because it's the greatest house, but because it suits our particular little needs of location and, you know, what we can do to fix it up. Sometimes it's because it's an awful house that no one else is going to want to touch, but I know we can fix it because I can see that the basics are good. So, so you really get to pick and choose and be selective in the ones that you build yourselves or redevelop yourselves. And in the meantime, you're making money just transacting on paper. Yes. Doing, you know, what they call contract flips where you get a contract on a house and then assign it. Um, sometimes we'll just buy the place and put it on the market. We do a lot of, by the, before we buy the house, we know what investor is going to want it and what he's going to want to pay for it. That's, uh, that's what my son's job is to uh, know those, know those things very, very well. And, and they do, they can walk into a house and in five minutes, they know who's going to want it and what he's going to pay for it and what to offer. As for what are the types of things that you're looking for that, apart from the property being physically distressed, what is it that makes it possible for you to negotiate a great deal with the seller? Well, usually the seller, the seller calls you. So he wants to sell, you know, he gets a postcard. Uh, everyone in the city who has a house gets postcards, but ours has a big screaming parrot on it. So it kind of stands out. What we're looking for, it depends on our investors. Some of them are looking for tremendously distressed places. Some of them are looking for stuff that's not so bad that they can spend a few weeks in and, and rent out or lease option or whatever they do. What we're looking for, it really depends. We've taken hoarder houses and turned them into really nice little jewel boxes. We've uh, we've taken stuff that was pretty close to good if we could get a deal on it. But, you know, when people call, they uh, they generally, if someone calls a wholesaler, they're usually attracted by the fact that you have a pot of cash, you can get them their money in five to 10 days and they don't have to worry about waiting for a buyer and waiting for him to get financing. And then maybe that falls apart. They just want their money and then they can go do what they're going to do. It kind of works itself out that the people who call you are always the people who want to sell the house and just be done with it. And sometimes the house is in terrible shape and they don't have money to fix it up or they don't want to spend time fixing it up. So it's the certainty of a quick close. It's knowing that they can transact and they can get their money in a couple of weeks if that's what's most important to them. And uh, you've developed a reputation of being someone who performs. And so they know that by working with you, they're going to get it done. 
there are a lot of people trying to do this and, and some of them are pretty good. And uh, I think you do get a reputation after a while that if you say you're going to close on the house, you actually will close on the house. And that, uh, that makes a difference. Not, not everybody does that. So I think there are a lot of people who are attracted to wholesaling because they, they hear you, you can get into it with no money, but if you get into it with no money, uh, occasionally you're going to, you're going to be left holding the bag or someone else is, you know, you're, you're going to contract us and you're not going to find a buyer. And then you're just going to have to go to this back to the guy and say, Hey, let me out of this contract. And we don't want to ever have to do that. I love it. So if, if folks want to learn more, or want to get in touch, what's the best way? Uh, you can call us 317-204-2900 or parrothomebuyers.com. And of course, you can just Google Parrot in Indy. Fantastic. For the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Pete at ParrotHomeBuyers.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.